0: To the Noteworthy USA podcast. I'm Ben Fredericks, back with you for another episode. Uh, before we get started with our guests today, I uh, just want to remind you that you can go get our newsletter for free right now at noteworthyusa.com forward slash free newsletter. I'll put that link in the show notes. It's chock full of information on notes, real estate, business, and personal development, and we put that out on a monthly basis. So uh, it's completely free content, and we've got some of the best experts in the industry you know, helping us produce that every single month for you. Also, if you want to connect with more note investors or people in the real estate space, uh, you can also check out a completely free Facebook group, uh, which is Noteworthy USA Note Investors. So network, ask questions about the business, make connections, do deals, all of that 100% free. So uh, now that we've got the plugs out of the way, uh, we'll get into our guest today. And I met our guest today about four years ago at a real estate investing event in Palm Beach. And uh, over time, uh, we've become friendly. We've looked at real estate deals together over the years. Um, he's spoken at our last two noteworthy events. And, um, you know, he's outspoken, says exactly what he thinks, which uh, is probably one of the reasons I like him the most. And also, he's the kind of people I like to be around because he thinks big, which forces me to think bigger, um, which is always uh, exciting to get around people that want to do big things and are excited about doing big things. They, they live their life in a positive manner. Uh, he's probably one of the most methodical people that I know in the way that he learns and the way that he studies things. And um, beyond all that, we're doing some exciting stuff together to develop property and business on the island of Roatan. Uh, and we'll be doing another trip out there probably early this fall. So if you're interested in something like that, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, that you could connect with us if you would like to invest in property in the Caribbean. Um, so welcome to the show, my friend, Ken Abdullah. What's up, buddy? Hey, brother. I
1: appreciate it a ton, man. There's a, I, I've smiled a couple of times there because the, the methodical piece of me that some people like my wife, it drives her crazy. So I'm like, now I've got documented proof.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, man. Like I, I, I tend to a lot of times fly by the seat of my pants, and mm-hmm. so you know when I come across people that are different than me, they're more interesting because it, yeah. it forces you to look at things in a different way. So you know, I think uh, some of the conversations that we've had over the years, uh, especially probably this last year, have yeah. been very interesting to me because you know, just the way that you approach things and and the way that you look at things. And and we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that you do, um, especially a a specific thing that you have, an event that you have coming up next week. But, um, you know, why don't you give uh, our listeners a little bit of background on yourself and, you know, we'll start there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I always make the joke, like I'm I'm typically not the smartest guy in the room. And that goes much further than just entrepreneurialism. Uh, I'm a high school dropout. Um, I don't have it, you know, all together. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I did drop out of school. I ended up going to college, but even then, um, once I once I graduated, I realized it was it was just a big waste of time for me. And uh it's funny because as I approach different situations, I almost approach it from a safety standpoint because I just, you know, I've got a, a ninth grade education. Sure, you know, there's degrees behind that education afterwards, but at the end of the day, um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So Um, as I walked away from school and went into corporate America, I started to really study methodically, you know, how does, how does money work from there? I I developed a financial literacy and realized, um, I've got an opportunity in a couple of different places. So as a real estate guy, that real estate changed my life. There's a lot of things I love about it. There's a lot more that I don't like about it. Uh, so it it forced me to go into other verticals, such as, um, I'm a professional stock trader. been doing that for a long time which we'll talk about a little bit later. And, um, I I got my hands on a lot of things at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is business is easy once we understand how to make it easy. So a little nugget there that we'll, we'll touch on a little bit later, but it's a high level view real quick.
0: Yeah. So I I think that's funny, right? Like there was, I remember being in high school and I had a friend of mine that dropped out and there was such a stigma behind Mm -hmm. that. Like, what dude? what are you going to do with your life? Yeah. you know, how you everything's
1: over me? at this point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I, I got to college myself and I quick re- quickly realized that, you know, I I thought I was going to be a cop. And the first semester of criminal justice education, you know, at the school I was going to, they basically try to get you to not become a cop. They show you the things you don't want to see, like they, they try to weed you out, you know, so. Right. Um, which I'm thankful for. I'm glad that they did that. You know, they show you all these pictures of terrible accidents. And, you know, oddly enough, I was the only student in the class. Like it was this. Really? Yeah. It was this private Catholic school that I went to. And, um, you know, there were supposed to be other students, but for whatever reason, they had dropped the class. And it was me and the professor who was a police officer also. And, you know, he just decided to keep the class. And so, no yeah, so it was a weird, a weird deal. But in the end, like I told him, like, at you know, at the end of that class, I was like, you know what, I don't, I think I'm going to change my major. I don't think yeah. being a cop is for me. And ultimately, I, I couldn't really find what was for me. I, I was just like, I, I don't think college is the path for me. And so I ended up leaving Iowa and moving to Florida. And, you know, just my first job was sales. And then I was yeah. like, okay. Something related to this is what it's going to be, and I, I didn't think that there would be a um, a self employed or entrepreneurial aspect to it. That I didn't come from a family like that. I don't know mm-hmm. if you did, where there were people that were in business in your family. Yeah. Do you have that kind of?
1: Yeah. So I got to watch really my parents their rise and fall. Like for me, in my mind uh, as a child, it was always like the 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 empire you know, rise and fall of, of Rome. Um, so my father was always entrepreneurial, but he was, um, we went from, dude, when I tell you, we went from like rags to riches, to rags to riches, multiple times, um, watching my parents, how they, how they adjusted and flowed. I didn't know really what was happening as a child. I always thought we were just good at one point in my life. I was, I was personally sleeping in a hallway of a two bedroom house. Um, so it was me, my mom, dad, my sister, there was this extension of this 700 square foot house that we were living in. And I was in a hallway and I had no clue as a child because my mom made it a home. Yeah. I didn't realize until I was like 11 or 12 when we were living in a, in a fairly large house at this point um, that we had come from pretty much nowhere. And it was just watching my father and mother, you know, build their company. And uh, ultimately it, they, it ended up biting them and uh, we lost everything, but watching them, Fight back and, and dig through it. it was what gave me my spirit when I was getting punched in the face with my entrepreneurial journey. But yeah, so I, I got to see my, my mother and father go through that. And then really just the way that they handled it disguised everything from me. So that, that helped me to get out of my, my box. Cause I was a shy guy, you know, me very well. It's probably crazy to hear that at one point I was shy, but, uh, I used to be a very, very shy kid and watching, um, watching them really just have to rebuild multiple times when I got, you know, to knocking doors and doing sales at a young age, I always just remembered like, Hey, they did it multiple, multiple times. So it was a blessing and a curse. uh, I could say that much for sure.
0: Yeah. You said something interesting just a bit ago, like when you were giving your introduction that business is easy Mm -hmm. and I wonder if that's something that you tell yourself so that you're constantly pushing forward, because business is freaking hard, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's just a situation that my wife was, you know, my wife is uh, owns her own practice and, you know, she was having her own issues yesterday with staff and mm-hmm. there's always challenges that come along with it. And, you know, you and I are no strangers to any of that is like, you know, it's peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's the, uh, the mindset that pushes you through those things, you know, like, yeah, I, I'll give you a story. So yesterday uh my wife was pretty upset when she came home, you know, in terms of like this drama that was happening inside of her office. And then last night we had a date night. And right. so we were driving on our way to go see the new mission impossible movie uh, and about quarter to a half mile in front of us. I see this car get airborne. And it just flips over like in the middle of I ninety five. Holy cow! Yeah, so we stop. My wife is obviously she's a doctor, so she rushes up there to like help people, pulling people from the car, you know. And um, it was uh, it was funny after all. Thankfully, nobody was killed. They were just pretty messed up. up, Yeah. uh, So the uh, ambulance arrives, and we go we go on our way. But um, it was funny to me at that not funny, but as she made a sort of a poignant remark that she was like, you know what? I was just thinking all the shit that I went through today, it's ir- irrelevant. Yeah. It's insignificant, you know, cause those people could have lost their lives. And I, I, that's why I asked that question is just cause it was on my mind. You know, when you said that, like, it's easy. Is like, is that a, a personal mindset hack for yourself that you're just like, all right, I'm just going to label this as easy so that I keep pushing forward.
1: Yeah, so so there's two things inside of that. One, you said label, and that's a big one because everybody has a label today. Everybody's a CEO or a CFO or a manager or a manager on duty. So we we tend to label ourselves and put ourselves in a box. We can't be in the box. We have to get out of that. And really what it boils down to is uh, business is easy on the on the surface when it comes down to, hey, if I do one plus one, that equals two. Once I get away from addition, I can then multiply. So if one plus one got me two, well, if I do that multiple times and I can 10X that, 5X it, 3X or whatever, I should, in theory, get the same result. We know that that's not always the case. However, I can measure it. So if I can measure it, that means that I can improve upon it. So once I have the metrics, once I have the numbers, every business is the same. X gets me this, Y gets me that. And I can apply that to whether it's real estate, it's um, trucking company, distribution, like any of the businesses that we have, it's just numbers. But the the biggest piece is we always tend to put this label on everything. So rather than that, if I just look at it at the surface to your point, um, hey, this is easy. We're, that doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult at times, but at, at its root, it's the same process in every business. How can I go and get uh, an increase here? Well, there's only one way to do it. I have to measure it then I have to set a target and then I take those numbers and apply it to whatever that is. And I either get a rise or I don't. And it's simple as form. That's all business is, but then we get emotional, we get tied to the business and uh, we create what I call a Frankenstein business. I think I've told you that before, but for your listeners, if you're in the middle of building a business right now, um, this kind of ties back into that accident. If you're in the middle of of building a business right now, what's more important? Um, I hear guys say all the time, like, man, you know, I'm making time for the family this weekend, you know, we're, we're going on a trip. You're doing life wrong entirely. If you're making time for family, you should be making time for your business because you're all, you're consumed with your family. You're consumed with your children. You're consumed with the trip and being present. If you're on a trip or you're on vacation, you're on your phone responding to that email. You don't have a business. You have a Frankenstein business. And if you remember Frankenstein in the book at the end, the doctor dies. He spent his entire life work trying to give, get him to come alive, uh, get his monster to come alive. And at the very end, the monster kills him. And that's what's going to happen in your business. So the reason business is easy is not only the numbers, but if you really look at it, if you build your business properly for foundations, everything should be around your family. And then for, and what's important to you, your time, which you can never get back. If you make that the core focus, the business is the byproduct. And the byproduct of an efficient business is monetary freedom, ultimately. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's powerful stuff, man. Like, And I think that the core of our audience that listens, I mean, I think that's the reason why they do notes or real estate is to provide that type of lifestyle, you know, yeah. so where the business is producing so that they can have the freedom to do the things that they want. I know, uh, was real estate sort of your first entrepreneurial uh, venture or was it something else?
1: So my, my first business was a lawn care business. Uh, I built a lawn company. This is actually kind of how I figured out that I didn't have to work for money. So I was 11 and, uh, I had been selling candy. I was selling, you know, stuff for our soccer team, baseball team, doing yeah. anything I could to get, you know, cleats or a bat. And, uh, at the end of the day, I started cutting grass. So my mom bought me a lawnmower but I'm talking one of those ones with like the spinning blades yeah. like old school like yeah. cigar yeah. looking thing yeah so I'm out there cutting my neighbor's grass and I'm you know 10 bucks here 15 bucks there 20 bucks and um we lived in Kansas so you you know you made the joke about Iowa uh yesterday when we were chatting but I lived in Kansas and man I, there ain't nothing to do so I show up to school one day and I've got like brand new shoes on that I'd paid for and uh my buddy's We're kind of like shocked because we weren't well off. But um, I remember having like this Velcro wallet and I opened it. There was like 60 bucks in there, but we thought we were loaded. Um, I say we because my friends thought that they had money because I had it. And uh, that wasn't the case. But they ended up asking questions. And I was like, look, come with me. I will show you what I'm doing. And all you have to do is help me get more, more yards and I'll get you guys these lawnmowers. So these lawnmowers uh, were sixty bucks. I already had the money, so I bought another one myself, and I gave it to my buddy. And then I showed him, "Hey, let's just go knock doors." So I was knocking doors at eleven years old, getting rejected, understanding what it felt like at a very young age. Yeah. And I built out like my entire neighborhood. We had over thirty yards, and I just bought four of my buddy's lawnmowers, these little sixty-dollar lawnmowers, and had them doing it. And uh, they got a, a cut. And that was my first real business um, that I built out. But from that, um, real estate really captivated me because I understood the the power. And um, I always remember watching. It's funny because me and my uh, mentor of mine, somebody you know, Mark, we we shared this growing up. I used to watch Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, yeah. and I always watched these guys rolling around their Rolls Royce and their cigar. So I would buy black and milds and drive around in my little yeah. beat up eclipse that I had thinking in my mind, Hey, I'm in the roles. I've got the cigar and um, lifestyle, of the rich and famous taught me that most of those people on that show were either high level entrepreneurs in CEO positions or real estate capitalists. So I always had it in my mind. That's a route. That's going to help me build wealth. That's how I got there.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. I, I... It's funny enough, I I mowed lawns. I don't see any kids mowing lawns anymore. You know, it's all like adults that grew up mowing lawns <laughs> yeah. you know, that own businesses now. They're yeah. kind of like either A, they, the kids don't have the initiative to do it today or they've just run them out of business, you know, by being so efficient at it. But, yeah. you know, it, it's funny that you did it that way. I, I had something a, a little bit different. I'll date myself a little bit, but there used to be this service uh, where they would, send you cds in the mail right so right. and if you bought uh like they would send you like 15 cds right you had to buy two right so
1: right i remember I would, those 100 yeah
0: yeah so i i would get uh, i would figure out like what were the most popular 15 cds at the time and yeah order those and then i would take them to school and sell them yeah. and then you know i'd have enough to just buy my own shit like my yeah. own preferred music so you know I don't know where that actually came from like uh, for me like I know that my grandparents owned rental properties and I thought that was interesting and neat but my parents worked for the federal government so there was no you know hustle or, or anything like that I was just going to work and you right. know doing your thing so I'm curious did you see that coming from someone I mean your parents were entrepreneurial so was it were they kind of encouraging you to do, to push you in that direction? Or was it just like you no, were witnessing it? And not
1: thought? not at all. My parents were very much, um, you know, they grew up, you know, not well off, both of them. And um, I very much came up in the household that you need to get good grades. You need to go get a good job. Um, but I was watching them build this this business. And I'm like, why are you telling me to do this? But you're not doing that. So mm-hmm. I just didn't believe them. And then I got into school and I hated it. I, I couldn't focus. I wasn't, you know, they labeled me ADD. I don't believe in that shit. Um, I if anything, if I do have it, it's the biggest blessing ever because I can do so much more than most people. Cause uh, you know, my wife would call me scattered, but that scattered has, has built many businesses, successful businesses, but a lot failed along the way. But uh no, I, I never really got pushed, it was more so. Um, I'll I'll tell you the one person that really changed my life um, outside of the the many people that did, but I I had the guidance counselor that told me to drop out of high school changed my life because he he encouraged me. He was, he was basically, I was in there for some discipline reasons. I wasn't a good kid in school at all. Um, And I, I mean, we were on a first name basis. <laughs> like I saw him all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I was Saturday Work Details. You know, just I was not the best student. And um I walked in there one day, he's like, you know, you're not gonna graduate. You're you're messing all this up. You know what you should probably do is just quit and go get a low level job at a warehouse and that's where you're gonna spend the rest of your life. I was like, Bet. <laughs> cool, I don't have to do this anymore. I'm in. Yeah. And uh that's what happened. I, I quit because of this guy. Um but when i when i was working a warehouse job pushing a broom 12 hour you know night shifts at this point in my life i just was pissed off at him and i it fueled me dude to just yeah. prove him wrong and then from that i had the support of my my parents um telling me pretty much you know hey you got to figure this out you're on your own and um they didn't they helped where they could but uh, they very much were you got yourself here get yourself out um so that guy changed my life. And then along the way I had a bunch of mentors and, and support. But yeah, I didn't really have too much in the household that pushed me that way.
0: Yeah. You said something interesting there that I've uh I've heard before from uh Ed Milette where he talks about, you know, where parents tell their kids you could do anything, you could be anything. And at some point their kids get smart and figure it out and they say, Well, why aren't you? Yeah. And yeah. uh, man, I remember the first time I heard that it really threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, uh, dude. I got work to do. It's while. deep, you know, it's deep man. Yeah. So think and, think
1: about this, man. So the reason school didn't work for me is because I I've always been outspoken. I mean, since you've known me, I, I speak what's on my mind. I, I've always been that way. And it, it came from um, we moved so much when I was a child. Like, literally, I was in a different school every year until eighth grade, um, maybe seventh grade. So I went from being this shy kid to not not having any friends to, hey, I I can be whoever I want in this new school. So it forced me to go make friends all the time. Different girlfriends, different friends, new city in a couple months. So I've always been the guy that, well, I was never scared to ask the question. I didn't care if somebody thought I was stupid I didn't care the people behind me that were like, oh, man, we have to learn this again. I'm here trying to figure this out. But eventually it got the best of me because they, my teachers, the people that were supposed to, I'm supposed to be looking up to, basically kept silencing me. They kept saying like, hey, you know, we'll get back to that. Or, hey, we already went over that. You, you're going to have to do that on your own. And I'm like, I'm here now. Why do I have to go do that? I don't know the answer at home. That's why I'm fucking asking you. Yeah. <laughs> so it got to a point in society that we stopped asking questions. We stopped asking why. So now we've got a huge movement of people that are just robots. They're zombies. They don't question anything. So the guys and, and gals that are entrepreneurial, they're the ones that kept asking questions. They're the ones that didn't quit on the dream. They're the ones that still believe till this day as, uh, as grown adults that they, they can be astronauts. And they can be the president. And uh, you know, as kids, I, you know, I wanted to be a, a famous baseball player. That was my dream. I uh I chased it until I couldn't play anymore. And I still ask questions um uh, till this day. So when my sons and and my daughter, when she can start speaking here, asks questions, I'm gonna give them every answer. I'm never gonna be like, you know, hey, stop asking questions. Never gonna tell them, um, that's a silly question, it's a dumb question. Ask because the rest of society is not going to and they're gonna suppress it. I think that's the difference between the the guys that made it and the ones that did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's good stuff, man. I mean, um, so talk about, uh, like, do you still own real estate now or have you moved on from that completely?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I own a little bit of stuff, not near as much as I did before. Um, I was doing a whole lot of arbitrage type stuff. Um, I did, I always call it a uh, fail B and B, you know, I, I'm not good at Airbnb. Um, <laughs> So fail BNB or bus BNB is always what I've called that. I know yeah. some guys in my network that are doing very well with it. It just wasn't for me. Uh, but uh, my main focus is what we're doing at Roadtown right now, man. Like yeah. when it first came down the pipeline, I was like, ah, you know, I don't really know. And then we got there and it was like, what do I have to do? Whatever we have to do to go, you know, build this island up and, and build the land. Um, and then really it was, who can I do it with? And when, you know, we got there and and we had the crew that we had, it was just, it was unbelievable. So as I began to pull away from real estate, Roatan sucked me right back in. I'm all in on real estate again. Um, now that I'm armed with the knowledge that I have, I'll be doing it much different. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just a beautiful project.
0: Yeah. I mean, those kinds of questions are, are key, right? You, the, the ability to ask questions, like how do we do it? Like, cause for me it's a completely different game. Not only is it a different country, Right, yeah. like it's outside of the comfort zone of what I know, um, but it's like development, and I'm like, oh, okay, shit, I don't know a damn thing about development. How can yeah. I learn more about it? Like, what right. could we do with it? Like, how how can we position it? And um, those kinds of stretches are usually where you have the most growth. I mean, you know, not like a muscle. It's it's kind of like a muscle. It is is a muscle. Yeah. If you don't stretch it out, it's not just not going to grow. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate, um, your ability to ask those kinds of questions because a lot of times I've been in positions like that, where I've had things I'm like, that's too big. Like, I don't, I don't know how to even make that work. Like, and a lot of times I've had, uh, you know, on the smaller stuff, I, I just go, I'm like, all right, I'll figure it out. You know, yeah. and it's been a, a mindset shift to be like, okay, well, you could just do that with the bigger stuff too. I mean, somebody else is doing it that way. Right. You know, they didn't know what the hell they were doing the first time they got started. So why not me? Why not us? Why aren't we doing it? So um, so
1: there, there's a couple of different things in there that you said. Um, so one, all the questions that we asked, you know, how do we do this? How is it possible? Why do we do it? If that guy can do it, I can do it. Those are, that just goes back to those questions. Like if we ask the how, then everything else becomes possible. So inside of that, if you think about, you know, the Roatan deal, the, the gentleman that helped us to, to not only supply it or be the, the gentleman that supplied the capital that we needed to expand on this project, he learned development and he's a big developer now out on the West coast. He learned it because his, his guys sucked at it. And he was like, look, I I have to do this myself. I know nothing about it. And he, rather than saying, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore or whatever. He asked those questions. How do we do this? How do I learn this? And he just got in there and started doing it. So it boils down to, you don't have to get it right out of the gate. You just got to start. You got to get it going. And from that, everything else expands because you don't, you didn't know how to ride a bike, but you started asking yourself how somebody showed you eventually. And then you just kept on going, but we always try to, to cut corners. And frankly, Hiring mentors, things like that helps to cut those corners, but you got to get your hands dirty. You got to go mess something up in order to get better at it. Yeah. So many people are trying to get it perfect before they do anything. I want imperfect action that will give me perfect results versus the perfect action that someone like me is going to come right behind you and already have passed you because you were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the perfect time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that kind of drove me crazy growing up was like, there was not a lot of action, you know, going on where there were there were opportunities just I, in I,
1: iowa I, in general
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i could recognize them as a kid where i was just like this could be like so i didn't know everything but obviously and i still don't know everything but i would see opportunities and be like why we have the the ability to probably do that why aren't we doing that you yeah. know and so now as a as an adult like i've I see those things and I I, I take a, a different approach and I'm, I guess I'm thankful that, you know, I kind of grew up that way because it does oftentimes give me a moment of pause when I'm looking at something to be like, all right, how do it? And then, yeah, but it, it also does. is like, it, it pushes me to do more because I don't, and this isn't disrespect to anybody that, you know, I grew up with or, you know, as my family or whatever, they're, they're all fantastic people. It's just a different path, you know? So yeah. a different way that I want to live, my particular life, you know, when we looked at Roatan, you know, as a, 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 a big opportunity, the, the immediate conversation that we had was like, okay, how can we do this and then do it with people that we like? Dude, that's such a, that was such a big one. Yeah. That was such a big one, man. Yeah. That's why I invited the people that I invited because I was like, you know what, if I, if I'm going to be doing a project, it's like, I got to have people around me, number one, that I, I want to do it with, right. you know, and that ha- are moving the same direction. They have sort of the same value system and, and all of that. And so the, the space of itself is like, that takes care of itself, right? Yeah. Like it's beautiful. There's, there's no getting around that. And it's very relaxed and everybody there, I, I don't think I saw one person that was upset or, you know, Dude, agitated. I've, I've
1: never been to a third world country like that, that well, i don't know i don't know if we can call it third world would you classify it third world
0: i mean they have roads
1: so yeah, I, I mean don't... there was a mcdonald's so
0: they gotta be <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah. so I, you know, they had a wendy's i'm not um, sure
1: i've never been in a place like that where i wasn't on my toes like i didn't yeah. feel threatened the entire time we were there yeah. it blew my mind honestly i was just like man everybody is so freaking nice here like yeah. they want us to be here it was really really cool i, enjoyed yeah, that I mean
0: yeah, and all the expats—I mean, everybody that's an American that was there living there full time—like yeah, that blew my mind, dude. One thing in common: they all had a great big smile on their face. You yeah. know, So whether they were a realtor or a developer or just uh, the guy that owned the hotel, you know, just very relaxed, low key, chill. And I was like, that's the kind of life I I want to have more yeah. of. You know. So, yeah. let, let me ask was, you a question. What yeah.
1: was what was your biggest hesitation before we pulled the trigger on Rhodes on?
0: I guess uh it seems so far beyond anything i've ever done yeah um, you know that it's like man i just don't i can't wrap my head around doing that you know right. so and it's it's far away too it's like my wife and i have always dreamed of like either we watch that show caribbean life on HGTV, yeah. like on sundays yeah. you know it's like something we watch so and we have this vision of of owning like a lakefront property. And, you know, just living somewhere where we've got water. And so, you know, it's there right in front of you sometimes like an opportunity is like right there in front of you and you're like, well, wait a minute, I've been waiting for something like this. And so sometimes you just have to, you know, run before you can even walk. And Mm -hmm. so I think, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, the, the biggest hesitation was just like, I just don't know what I don't know about this. Yeah. So, and it's, also, it's like, all right, well, what you know, I feel which is absurd, you know, given the, the climate we live in, I feel safe, right? In America, you know, but the, that doesn't mean anything, you know. So yeah. like, it means nothing. Yeah. So a lot of people are not safe in America. So it's like, okay, but you know, this is just something that's a roadblock in my head, uh, from doing something that could be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I so I I kept running into It's actually on the, on the flight home. Cause when we were there, I'm all in, you know, and then you get out of the excitement of what you just spent, you know, the last couple of days experiencing. And when I was on the plane, dude, I just went through this spiral. Like, I was like, man, is this something that we really want to do? What am I getting myself into? Is it something that we don't necessarily know? So I literally on the plane drew a T-chart and was just like pros and cons and the pros outweighed the cons so much. And even the cons, it was just, they were unknowns that we came to know. You know, my first thought was, you know, what's the political climate. And then you get there and you realize they're completely different from Honduras and entirely um, the fact that you kind of get voted off the Island if you do wrong and you can never come back. Like that was was huge. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that's what was the biggest hesitation, but imagine this, let's go back to the questions imagine we, we just don't ask those questions. Imagine if, you know, the, the Wright brothers were just not, you know, they just gave up and they're like, yeah, we can't fly. It's not possible. And uh, Edison and Tesla working on electricity, like imagine they just stopped asking questions to move the needle forward. So again, just not to beat a dead horse, but we have to ask all the time how, and from that, how literally magic is born.
0: Yeah, what really uh, tipped the the scales for me was, you know, the the relationships that we'll have on the island, yeah. you know, the people there, the the developers, and you know, the the local leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like really cool. If 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 the developer that we're working with, if if they weren't as connected as they were, you know, I probably would not have done it. Like that I was agree. that was the part for me that was like, okay, like we he knows. Everybody on the island, he knows like which wheels need grease or which ones don't, and yeah. you know how we can work stuff. And then and add on to that, like now we're doing more than just owning real estate there. We're working on building a, an actual business on the island, which is yeah. bananas. So
1: Dude, but, it um, it'll turn into multiple multiple verticals when you start yeah. to think about the tourism, the distribution, like so many different verticals came from just asking asking ourselves the right
0: questions. Yeah yeah and just like taking action and getting on the plane and going right like yeah so you know the i think the the uh you know even you hesitated a little bit which cost you a first class seat you know so yeah, it was...
1: <laughs> yeah i was so angry so i think i booked like the last week yeah i was like yo yeah. dude i'm
0: in yeah. yeah so anyway I'm i'm glad that you even still sometimes you know take have a little bit of hesitation too so it doesn't make me feel so bad
1: absolutely if we were saying yes to everything dude we'd we'd have some problems
0: that's right uh so uh talk to me you've got this event coming up next week um you know you've uh been coaching me and several other people on trading and like how we can you know uh, create a not only is you know consider it cash flow but like it's not the same kind of cash flow as real estate like it's not in real estate i always say passive is a joke anyways, there's always work to be done, you know, but, um, you know, create a a lifestyle, you know, that was one of the things that was more appealing about your particular life is that, you know, you were basically done working in a matter of, you know, an hour or two a day, if that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I was like, gee, that seems interesting to me. And so as somebody that doesn't know, really, or didn't know a damn thing about trading, you know, other than, you know, you put your money in a 401k, and then, everything works out, you know, like, yeah, hopefully that CEO knows what they're doing and they don't, uh, you know, uh, put the wrong person in a commercial and then tank my stock, you know? So (laughs) it's like, you know, it's a, it's a weird deal. So, uh, talk a little bit about this event, why you're doing trading, like what got you into it and then how you've, you've learned that process to build, you know, this, this, uh, you know, very easy uh, I don't want to call it easy, but like this, ability to to spend more time you know with the the, doing the things that you want to do rather than working
1: yeah so i always put a big emphasis on my time um i I actually kind of teach this to my oldest and, and to my wife as well which is um it's okay to be stingy and there's just times that you have to be stingy with certain things and one of the things i'm very stingy with is my time so as i was really trying to understand you know how do the how do the wealthy get wealthy um I learned about stocks a little bit. I was going to go be a broker. I learned about the real estate side, but trading appealed to me so much because there was so much emotion involved in it. So, you know, it's one thing to buy stocks. You you just set it and forget it. You know, you hope it does well. Obviously there's ways to do very well on that side, but, um, I've, I've done every type of stock, whether it was, you know, treasury bonds, T bills, options, trading, Forex trading, all the different things. And, um, what was most appealing to it is that it was me versus me. It wasn't, I didn't have anybody to work for. I was working for myself, but when I talk about the emotions, uh, when, when you hear stock trading, the first thing most people think is, you know, Hey, you're you're a stock trader. They imagine chaos. You know, they imagine the 1980s movies of just paper everywhere and you're screaming and it's just crazy, but that's not actually how it works. Um, when I, when I began to really get to the, to the, root cause of what makes the market move. I I began to hire different mentors to understand this, but uh, in short, man, it's, it's you versus you. The charts are are there. It's binary outcome. You're wrong or right. It's all about self mastery. So from that, that's, what's helped me to, to develop the other businesses to develop, you know, being a better husband, being a better father, like the charts exposed all of that to me. And I always make the joke that the chart, the charts expose you they expose the real you who you really are emotionally. You may think you have it together, but you get in front of those charts and it will expose you very quickly. So in short, over the 15 years that I've been doing this, um, there's this is it is simple. You said it. You know, you know how did you do this simply? It's because it goes back. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I use pen and paper for everything. I uh, I just have to simplify everything. So when it comes down to the market, there's there's two ways that this thing works. You got big banks that are moving the market around. You can either be with them or you can be against them. The thing about the big banks is there is literally a language that they speak. And inside of that language, legally, legally, they have to tell you where they're taking the market. There's tools that I've been able to develop and understand over the years, over the last 15 years, that help us know exactly what's happening in the market. Furthermore, the financial climate once you understand how to read this language, which takes a couple of weeks to learn, and then there's obviously executing that. But when you take all of that knowledge that you'll obtain, you can can navigate every market, whether it's the stock market, the Forex market, the real estate market, the political climate, you'll know what's happening because the big banks are telling you what to do. So as much as we want to say the government's a big bad wolf, the banks are the big bad wolf, they tell us what they're doing. We just choose to go against them. But once you understand the language and where they're going, you just hop on board with them. It's very, very simple. It's just, uh, it literally is learning a new language.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it The emotional part of it, you're right, is uh, definitely the most challenging. Like, cause it's, you always say this in, in the training, like look left, you know, and that's a lot about life. You know, when you're looking left, you're looking at the past, right? So you're looking at, all right, this is what, it did. This is how I reacted to it, you know. And so, a lot of times, if you might not like living in the past, but you have to live there a little bit because and analyze why you made yes. a particular move, you yes. know, or why you did something. And so, I did, you know, without uh, any suggestion of that. I mean, one of the things I did a lot when I was a kid was journal. You know, mm-hmm. so um, my mom bought me some journals, and I would. Journal about my life, and it's interesting to go back. Now we have Facebook; you can go back and see, like Facebook will show you, you know, thoughts that you shared or posts or whatever. And I don't know about you, some of those they make me. I'm looking
1: for my journal right now because it's usually on my desk. But due to this day, I still
0: every day I write every day. Yeah, and it it makes you cringe because you're like, oh god, I really thought like that or (laughs) really was doing that. Yeah. Um, But in trading, to bring that back around like it, journaling there is also sort of the same thing because you're, you're looking at it like, okay, what was I thinking here? Right. You know, what's the lesson I learned on it? Like today I, I, I screwed something up. I sh- I did something I shouldn't have. And so I had to write it down and say, okay, yeah. why did I do it? I was chasing. I wasn't supposed to do that. I wasn't right. following my rules, you know? So, and it is you versus you. And, that's great. But also a lot of people are their own worst enemies. Yeah. So, you know, what type of person do you think is most suited for, you know, doing this kind of activity in, in terms of trading?
1: I don't even, I don't think there's a type. I don't believe there's a type. I honestly think that everybody's, any, anybody can do this. Everybody can do this. It's, it's the the ones that stick it out. Imagine you spent the last seven years building your real estate portfolio, building your business. And then you're just like one day I'm done. I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to do this anymore, ever again. All of that would be in vain. Yeah. So you go through the couple of weeks that it takes to really kind of understand what's happening in the market. And then you dedicate to the mastery of your emotions and you you find all of the success. Uh, you become a different breed. Once you know what's happening then you can print money, you literally can you just sit there and you just you got to be patient. Um, anybody can do that. My 16 my year old son is, is learning this right now. I've got a student right now that's 14. His dad is, is supporting him. Dad wants nothing to do with it. But his son has been looking into it. They've been following me for a long time. And he's crushing right now that I've got doctors, I've got attorneys, I've got entrepreneurs, I've got kids that are still in school. I've got a, a plethora and everybody's having success, but they put in the work. Get, don't get me wrong. It will be easy. It's not easy in the beginning, but imagine the confidence that will come from you when you know you can sit here and master your emotions, be a master of it, because you put in the time documenting what happened, how you felt when this happened. You put all of that time in, the next time you run into a situation where um, you know, maybe emotions get high in the house, you no. are a self-mastery at that point. You know, hey, in the past, this is what I did. I don't want that result again. So I'm just not going to give that any energy. So in short, this is literally for anybody and everybody. If there's someone that I would push this more to it's, it's the guys that aren't where they want to be from a time perspective. When you, you'd mentioned earlier, I'm done in an hour a day. And the only reason I'm on any longer than an hour is because I got students. Typically yeah. I'm done 15 minutes a day. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes it's 15 grand, sometimes it's a hundred grand. Um, over this challenge that we've done the last couple of weeks, it's only been 40 grand. Actually my my worst day this week was 20 grand. That's that's normal. It sounds crazy because it wasn't normal back then, but I have to first teach you how to make a hundred bucks. If I can teach you how to make a hundred bucks, I can teach you how to make a hundred thousand bucks doing the same exact thing, but I got to get to the emotions of you first. And that's what this challenge is about. It's three day class. And we're literally going to, For the listeners that that are listening to this part, when I tell you the market's predictable, challenge me. I will prove to you time and time again, and every one of my students that didn't believe, there's not a single student that believed me when I said it. It's 1,000% predictable, and I prove it every single day. And the reason it's predictable is because they have to tell us where it's going. So the the challenge is going to expose that. We're going to expose the big banks. We're going to expose the language. And then frankly, if if you're sitting on a 401k, you can literally look and be like, Oh my gosh, I know what's about to happen. I need to get my money out of here. It gets it gets wild.
0: Yeah, and guys, I mean, there's a, something that really kind of blew my hair back about it was, you know, in real estate, I've used private money to to build up most of my portfolio, and there's something akin to that in trading that I was not even aware of, where you can Definitely. get an actual trade with other people's money, you know, and become At a no
1: risk. At yeah. no risk, zero risk. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's that's pretty spectacular. So, um, and then basically, uh, how do people do that, Ken? Like, what's the process of becoming a, a funded trader?
1: Yeah. So, the the real cool part about this is, um, and frankly, listen to this business model because you you have to know the why behind why they do this. Ninety eight percent of people um, will watch a bunch of YouTube videos, but try to try to go apply this to the market. They just don't put in the time. But the the real math is 98% of traders don't make money. There's only 2% in the world. And we're, we're developing more and more of those literally weekly. But to become that 2%, these guys will, they'll fund you. So what they do is they say, here's your rule set. Make this much money. We don't care how long it takes you to do it. But follow these guidelines to show that you're able to protect the capital. It'll be fake in the beginning, but once you pass this test, we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. So we'll give you 150, 200, $300,000. Just give us 10%. So their business model is, they know 98% of people will fail. So they charge to take a test. It's a hundred bucks. Right now they're running a specialist, like $14 to take their test. 98% of people aren't going to pass that. So they're just collecting. It's a win-win for them. They're not only collecting on the fees, but when they do find the 2%, they're making 10%. So it's a it's a phenomenal business model, which I'm I'm literally trying to understand the legality side of it to build. It's 100% legal, but I want to build, build it myself for myself. Because if I can find not only the traders that I'm working with now and helping, but I can also create an education platform that will help those, I get the best of both worlds. We create education that works for everybody. We create more than 2% of traders. And then from that, we can put our own capital at work And uh, and help those guys build their accounts and ours. Like it's a it's a huge win-win. But in short, um, the way that model works, they're going to fund you. You go to one of the vendor partners that we work with. Um, There's four that I work very closely with. That if you can abide by their rules, they'll literally hand you 150, 200, 300 k to go and trade with. And when I said no risk, they they won't let you lose their money. So you're not if you blow the account they're not coming after you for it. It's literally in their contract. So this is literally, I guess, I guess there is risk. It's the $14 you spent to take the test.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can't risk $14, then you probably shouldn't be doing it at all. Yeah. But yeah. So did I tell you guys that Ken thinks big? So like uh, he's asking, you can hear him continually asking the how inside of trading, like how can I, you know, one, make this more accessible for people to get into that 2%. But then once they do, how can I grow even more and help them grow even more, you know, through, you know, becoming, you know, this funded trading partner. So that's exciting stuff, man. I I think, uh, I think you'll crush it, but, and Ken's an excellent teacher on this stuff. He simplifies it. Like it makes it far less complicated than what it, uh, than what it is. And,
1: uh, there's so much jargon in the industry. When I tell you ninth grade education, high school dropout. I have to simplify it. I don't know any, any other way. When I hear the big terminology, I'm just like, what, what does that even mean? And the only way that I can make it applicable is to literally, I I dumb it down. I, that's the only terminology for lack of better term that I can think of is I need to apply it in a, in a fashion that makes sense to me and whoever it is that I'm working with.
0: Yeah. So uh, Ken's got a class coming up and I'll put this in the show notes, uh, but the, the link is prosperuptrades.zee.am. Uh, again, I'll put that in the, the show notes so you can click on that. It's happening. What are the dates, Ken? So the 8th through the 10th, 7
1: p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard.
0: Okay. So you won't be necessarily live trading, I'm assuming, just kind of looking at the market and teaching on so what's going we, on.
1: we will go it won't be a live market, but I'm gonna let somebody and we'll do this each night. We're gonna let somebody pick a random day. It can oh, okay. be any day that they want, and we'll go replay that day. I don't know what happened two weeks ago, three weeks. I don't remember. I don't yeah. And we'll we'll trade it live together on the things that we we did here. And then together we'll literally talk through the market. Hey, what do we want to do here? Do we wanna take this trade? Do we not? Why are we not taking it? Does it fall under these rules? And we'll go and make twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a, on a call together.
0: Yeah. 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 Guys, this is, it's, it's challenging. Like you, it will rewire your brain. Like Ken said, you know, probably in multiple areas of your life to like, like, all right, this is, I'm, I'm thinking about things in a different way. Um, But it's a good kind of challenge. Like it's really refreshing to, to kind of push yourself into, to doing something that pushes you number one out of your comfort zone, but also helps you assess who you are, like Ken said, like, why did I make this decision? Like, am I doing it emotionally? Am I just being, you know, too spontaneous in the way that I'm I'm going about things? And uh, it's really self-reflection is probably the, 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 probably the second biggest benefit behind making money, you know, that comes along with it. So yeah, maybe even the the first benefit.
1: The, the big thing here is you don't need a bunch of stuff on your, on your screen. You don't need 40 different charts and a bunch of indicators. Frankly, you guys, I mean, you know, I don't have a bunch of stuff on my chart as it is very, very clean. And at the end of the day, um, this is a 15, 20 minute objective. Like we're in the market in and out, but more so than anything, the support behind this continues. I go live every single morning. I literally trade live with the students every single morning. So if you guys want to see me in action live and my students live, we do it. You like, the trades that I take are very quick. So you don't even have the opportunity to copy them if you wanted to, that's on purpose, but yeah. you can literally see us execute this every single day, join the the private Facebook group and see results all the time. So um, the live piece is a really, really big deal for those that are um, interested in and, and grown.
0: Awesome. Uh, how can people connect with you otherwise?
1: So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, it's all under the same handle. It's official Ken Abdullah and it's uh, uh a b d u l l a h so official ken Abdullah on facebook instagram and tiktok
0: all right we'll put those in the show notes too so well buddy i know you've got a tea time today so i won't keep you <laughs> of course <laughs> one of these like days four uh, or five days a week oh yeah, yeah. well we'll get you out there yeah for sure you know you can come over here too i got a club membership so Let's do it yeah, happy to whip you on my own club i'm in so <laughs> all right buddy well thanks for joining me today uh hit up ken connect with him uh definitely i would encourage you to get to his event next week uh it might be one of the better things you ever do so yeah it's, you- it's a zoom
1: call it's a zoom yes. call so don't uh yes. you don't gotta leave the comfort of your home we're good
0: absolutely now if you do want to leave the comfort of your own home and go to RoTan with us hit the link absolutely. in the show notes and uh we can have a conversation and see if it'd be a good fit for you so until next time we'll catch you later awesome thanks brother